Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy Matson, And I'm David Schaub. And today we are discussing Season 4, Episode 20. Will the real Miss Tussmacher please stand up? So, before we get started, I'll just note last time uh, we mentioned Eminem's uh, song, but I believe the original origin of that phrase is... Will the real person please stand up from the 1950s and 60s game show and later the reboots where they try to tell the real person from two imposters. So with that in mind, David, can you give us the recap? Lena and Kara go to Lex's base in Kaznia. They find many Eves. They also learn about Kaznia's attack plan, Red Daughter, Lex's use of DEO prisoners, and the president's chief of staff's involvement. Kara freaks on learning that Lex knows her identity, and then Kara pointlessly delays the inevitable by lying to Lena more. Kara updates James and is kidnapped by the evil president. Alex and Kelly hang. Lockwood takes over the DEO while Alex doesn't do her job. At least Kelly is cool and supportive while Alex tries but fails to adopt a baby. Shippers unite, Kelly outs herself to Alex. Lockwood loses it. While searching for Dreamer and his wife's killer, Lockwood abandons his son at the funeral. Hey, Kelly's been there. George delivers a nice eulogy for a mom who never got a character. Brainy fails to stop Lockwood from getting the Harinel cured of Supertonic. Lockwood then arrests innocent aliens and takes the serum to fight Brainy, Dreamer, James, and John. Finally, George rejects his father for being a jerk. Yep, that's about it. I uh, will have to give kudos to the show. They faked me out twice. I, I was all excited uh, when Miss Tessmacher greeted Lena and Kara inside the Kaznian facility, and she seemed so happy to see them. I thought that maybe Lex had been using a robot or clone or something out in America, you know, for months, uh, that he had replaced Lena's assistant and that this was the real Miss Tessmacher who had been kept prisoner. And I thought that was neat, but that is, isn't actually what happened. <laughs> no, I'm afraid it was just a really dumb Eve that they found in a closet. Why? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they just stuck her in a closet because she kept glitching? Ah, uh, she just wasn't a very good Eve. A bad copy. <laughs> I don't think I bought it for a moment and on second rewatch, it was even harder when we knew it because they had just had the conversation about copy. And at that point, I'm going, really, you two? <laughs> the other thing where they faked me out was when I really, really thought, in fact, I wrote down in my notes, Kara tells Lena she's Supergirl, all caps, exclamation point. But no, she stood up and started to tell her on the flight back. But <laughs> it didn't happen after all. So they got me. <laughs> they got me on the last episode. I thought in the last episode, <laughs> when Lena gave her secrets to Kara, Kara was going to respond then. Mm -hmm. I could have believed it there. I just didn't quite imagine it was going to actually happen. And then as soon as Lena implied that Kara will be doing more damage by telling her, which is ridiculous at this point. Ah, oh, that hurt. It hurt. <laughs> Especially with the bizarreness that Kara discovers a room, which basically proves that Lex knows her identity, 
and Red knows her identity, and for some unknown reason, Eve doesn't know her identity, because that's implied by it being a surprise that Supergirl was there. But then Kara is so freaked out by this that in a building that's going to blow up in five minutes, she decides to burn the room down. Yeah. (laughs) Kara is not thinking very straight at this. And this is really just delaying the inevitable. The moment Lex knows, she has to tell Lena. What choice does she have? And the implication that this is actually a better path is just so gut-wrenching and painful and kind of dumb. Yeah. I mean, at the end, she says she says she'll tell Lena once this is all over, but it's just incredibly naive to think that her secret isn't going to come out at the worst possible time in the battle with Lex. Exactly. That's because, when it's most likely to happen. Right, because he will use it intentionally against her um, and against Lena to cripple them both. So... Yes, she really, really should have told her this time, but she didn't. There was an argument maybe that she could get away with not telling her in the previous episode, but in this episode, there really isn't that. There's no good reason. The implication is maybe I'll find some path where Lex doesn't tell anyone. Are you serious, Kara? Unless she's planning to take Lex out, (laughs) which would go against her uh, character. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, she could always hope that John will mind wipe Lex before they get there, but yeah. Mm. That might not work now that Lex has powers anyway. So, um, <clears throat> I guess uh, going back a little more chronologically, let's see, what else do we need to talk about with Lena and Kara? Kara does give the funny line, This is all equipment to hurt Kryptonians! Which I suppose she couldn't say, me, me. (laughs) So maybe that's progress or that's just her holding up her secret identity. I couldn't quite tell. But at least it was slightly more open-ended that she wasn't taking it all horribly personally. (laughs) I had one other small thing about the magical security cam trope the show used, Mm -hmm. which is they learn about Red by seeing lots of footage from previous episodes of Supergirl. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose that works. Not really necessary, but so, uh, whatever. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that uh, Kara was telling James about all this at the end. Um, how she feels kind of bad for Red Daughter. That could have been me, which is uh, an actual perceptive good comment from her. Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm just wondering why she chose James as her confidant here rather than uh, Jean Jones or I don't know. Well, hopefully the answer is she just got a huge amount of really important documents and she took mm. them to Catco so they could get copied. <laughs> that would be the best reason. Who should she that go would to be first? A good She's a reporter. She should go to her boss and do her job. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they did that or not. It's really unclear because the episode writes it kind of both ways. It's implied when she doesn't realize the president's going to turn on her that Kara says no one else was told about this. But we also see her telling what happened to James. Now, does James also have a copy or did he actually not see the evidence? Ah, They can write it either way going forward, I suppose. I mean, she said she didn't show anybody. I think she said... Has anyone else seen this evidence, yeah, exactly. I think he said. Um, and so, no, it could 
the coffee could be sitting in a locked drawer somewhere. <laughs> no one's seen it yet. <laughs> so, yes, she does uh, go to the president and to give him the evidence of the conspiracy. Uh, she assumes that the president's chief of staff signing off on the alien prisoner transfers uh, by the chief of staff, she somehow assumes that that is where the conspiracy stops, which is a little inexplicable given President Boxleitner's hostility to aliens for quite a while here. <sighs> or just common sense that maybe the president's in on it is a very valid question, and that should have come up when she talked to James, too. It just seems a little ridiculous of a trap to fall under. Of course, it's a trivial trap because Kara can leave whenever she wants. It's just a question of protecting her secret identity. Right. My hope here is that uh, Kara allowed herself to be taken prisoner with the black bag over her head um, in hopes of finding out more about the plot stuff. Yes. And so presumably she'll be taken to some other facility. And hopefully Lex hasn't told the president about... <laughs> now, he wouldn't have done that because that would mess up the Red Daughter stuff, probably. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know how in on it the president is. We know he's in on it more than it looked earlier. But it's still unclear who's manipulating who. But this is, I agree, risky on the assumption that Lex knows her identity, because that's now a huge sort of Damocles over Supergirl. Mm-hmm. Though I don't right. know, because everyone who would, they'd go after is already in the fight. So maybe it isn't, but hey. Hmm. There were a couple other bits of this plot that I thought were a little bizarre. They have two mm -hmm. people trying to get out of a building before it explodes, and they split up the party. Dumb, dumb, I just, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> You're basically ensuring that one of you is going to die. Is that the plan? They needed to do this for this scene in the room, and it's just... I can see the mechanics of your plot too clearly, people. The splitting up of the party was just so ridiculous, even though it just set up something later they needed to do. And I was very unhappy with that. Also, with the fight Kara has with all the Eve clones, it makes it look like it's difficult when she could have flown away at any moment. Yeah. It seemed a ridiculous fight to begin with because, especially when we see one of the Eves fight Lena, Lena wins. At which yeah. point, what are they doing to Kara? <laughs> yeah, that was. There's a bunch of things in this plot that are just barely holding together to make what ha needed to happen happen. Well, good things. There were there were other things going on in the plot this time. <laughs> Shall we move um, on? Yes, as you said with the. Alex and Kelly uh, thing, it bothered me that, once again, um, they claimed that being a mother has always been Alex's dream. Um, or at least Alex says that's what Kara would tell her if Kara were here now. And, no, they, they didn't mention it until last season, and I wish they would... <laughs> Quit trying to retro-edit that. You know, of the things that bothered me in this episode, that actually wasn't one of them. The <laughs> fact that she is entirely out of communication with the DEO when all she's doing is waiting for a phone call. Oh, yeah. That That's is so my bad. problem with this entire plot line. <laughs> they have them hanging. That's nice. There's lots of wonderful Alex and Kelly bonding here. I have been chipping them since Kelly showed up. It's all good. 
But the pacing and the structure in this episode is just so ridiculous. They have all of this to empty the floor on the DEO so that Lockwood can effectively take over. And Alex's excuse apparently is she needs to talk to someone while waiting for a phone call. She didn't do anything in preparation. She was just waiting for a phone call. And to have that as being the reason why Alex is not doing her job at the DEO just melts my brain. Mm-hmm. It was beyond belief that they did this. I mean, all of the stuff with Alex and Kelly is wonderful. I like the fears about baby safety in the house and the parenting fears <laughs> and all of that stuff is fun. I don't understand how they went from running to hanging out in, I think, Kelly's hotel room. And then they're in Alex's room. I don't quite know what's going on. It's just structurally, these conversations are nice but they don't fit the episode. Oh, I assumed that they had flown to whatever place they had to go to for for the baby. Um, there was somewhere... Was there an implication of that? Uh, I guess I just assumed it because obvious hotel room. But it could be Kelly's hotel room. Yeah, I assumed it was Kelly's hotel room. The idea that they then both flew, <laughs> that seems bizarre, too. That, like, well, I, yeah, oh. the whole thing is logistically problematic um and i know that alex said that fictional kara if kara were there would tell her there will never be a good time this is really (laughs) (laughs) a terrible time to abandon your agency that you used to head and Haley is gone too so she knows if she's gone Ben Lockwood is going to take her agents and use them for horrible purposes. And that's exactly what he tries to do. And she should have gotten a text or something just to keep her in the loop to say X is going on. I just, ah, it may not have been so bad if there hadn't been so many other episodes in this season where Alex is just nowhere near the DEO. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe they're implying that her job is just such an administration job now that she really doesn't need to be there. But that really is not how this show has ever presented the job. I would really prefer that she have been booted from the DEO than that she keep neglecting what is her very important job like this. It just... Yeah, that would have worked better had, in fact, what we suggested in an earlier podcast, she got fired. Or suspended for her many, you know, disobeyances of Haley. At least suspended. Yeah, because if they had done that, then this episode would have made a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And especially the scene where I liked this bonding and, and this thing where we're starting to see this relationship, I think, between Alex and Kelly. And all I'm just thinking about is, what in the world are you two doing here? Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're pretty much in agreement on that plot line. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the chemistry between them. There's the moment when Kelly asks for the chocolate bar and Alex says it's gone and Kelly's shocked. (laughs) What? (laughs) That was just played so nicely. It was. I truly believed these characters in that moment. Yes. There was some nice chemistry between them. They worked well with each other. Mm -hmm. I was happy with all of that. It just didn't make sense in this episode. Yeah. Really nice interplay between them, but misplaced in time. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so then we have what's going on while Alex and Kelly are having their uh, bonding, um, which is the funeral. 
and the uh, DEO stuff. And uh, let me say, Ben, worst father. Maybe not worst <laughs> father ever, but certainly worst father ever depicted on this show. <laughs> Just, to say the least, we're all supposed to be on George's side, uh, and boy, absolutely. are we on George's side. <laughs> you know, we we had wondered before, you know, it seemed like George was questioning the rightness of his father's cause, but it didn't seem like there was quite enough there for him to betray uh, his father, but I think his father leaving poor George standing there at the podium uh, talking about his mom at his mom's funeral and Ben walks out on his son and his wife's funeral. Wow. <laughs> uh, that's, that's, you know, that's definitely a reasonable cause for George to turn on his father. And it's great, as it were, that the show's even set this up by having this being the traumatic event from Kelly and James's childhood. So we have an entire episode about how this was a horrible thing. Right. And then they have an episode where it happens to George. Yes, that was... That is a beautiful setup. Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely. Like, we have told you how bad this is. You would have thought it would be bad anyway. But it's really bad. We have all these characters telling you it's bad. And then uh, Ben does this to George. And... George is trying to give such a nice eulogy for his mother, and it makes his mother seem like such an interesting person who we never met in the show because <laughs> she barely got any lines. Right. But boy, are we on George's side. Absolutely. Um, so that was well done in time. Yes. And I really appreciated that they gave George the lines later um, that, you know, none of this would have happened if it weren't for your stupid, war. what did he say, war, battle fight against the aliens, whatever. Uh, none of this would have happened. Mom still would be alive if you weren't doing this. And and Ben, of course, says, but I did this all for you. Um, <laughs> now, and, it might be true that people who are fighting against people who are really bad guys, their families may be put at risk. Like, there's some points where this is a challenge and a risk for people who are picking up a fight. This is, in fact the risk Kara is trying to avoid by not having her secret identity known, being able to act in a way that allows her loved ones to not get hurt. This is an example of what happens if your loved ones are known publicly. The problem is Lockwood's fight is just so horrible that it's harder for us to give sympathy to it. Mm -hmm. Right. So at this point, it seems like George is not going to turn out to be an inside man. <laughs> anymore you know i had thought previously that maybe they will do george they will have george you know help the alien refugees hide or you know do some kind of mild resistance from within or giving information to supergirl or something but after the i you know i hate you i never want to see you again speech it's hard to see how george would be able to do that so was Lockwood carrying around a Harnell vial for George? Uh, I didn't think so. I always assumed it was for himself. There's a second one, isn't there? Because at the end of the episode, isn't he carrying one? Hmm. I missed that. Okay, well, maybe I missaw miss something. So it, it seemed like he was carrying around another vial, like he was saying, this is how I would protect my son, is inject him with this seriously dangerous, life-threatening drug. But 
we'll see how that plays. Um, yeah, that would be, I guess that would be even worse of a father than leaving him alone <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> but not entirely surprising because this is Lockwood over the edge. Yeah, he's definitely gone way over the edge. So, okay, the reason that um, Ben walks out on the funeral is that he's arresting the the alien who killed his wife and then uh, he has gone far enough over the edge that he decides to have all of the refugees that were in the same hideaway <laughs> arrested too and things happen acting like the good fascist he is yes yes you're all guilty by association exactly. um and Brainy gets to give a moving speech that is uh, spoken spoken well and makes a good point. And so I was really happy with the Brainy movement this time. It's a little unfortunate that Brainy wasn't able to do very much to stop the Harnell from falling into Ben's hands. You think they could have just gone in there and moved it or hidden it? I still don't quite understand why Lena had just left a box of the Harnell curative supertonic sitting on a table. Yeah. That did not sound like that was the process or what Lena would have done with it. But eh, maybe there's some path where that actually ended up being the case. Well, I never really understood why she had to go to the DEO uh, to do her work there anyway, instead of staying at her own lab. Because the writers wanted Ben Lockwood to get superpowers? <laughs> He could have raided El Corp for that. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose. He's raiding everybody. <laughs> um, but yes, uh so right, that that is illogical, but moving moving on away from that. <laughs> but yes, Brainy taking that point in time to give the rousing speech and take a side against the government worked well. That's right. He reminds the DEO agents, uh, which by the way, Ben is commanding the DEO instead of his Children of Liberty because his Children of Liberty were all out searching. <laughs> Which is silly, but okay, fine, whatever. Uh, they, they the Children of Liberty, or Agents of Liberty, certainly would have ignored Brainy's speech. But he says, Each one of us swore to defend this country and its constitution. Uh, follow your hearts, not your orders. So, I just, I liked that. Although, you know, in a way, <laughs> it, it's a little inconsistent because, you know, do, are you following the orders of the moment or are you following your oath? If you're following your oath and obeying the Constitution, then heart and oath are in alignment. Um, I think the whole heart thing is kind of a misnomer. You're either following the spirit of the law or the law. Or, in fact, what you're saying is this order isn't lawful and you're just making a reasonable legal claim. So it doesn't need to be quite so hearty. It sounded good in the moment, though. Absolutely. <laughs> Earlier, we did see a cute scene with James, Nia, and Brainy in, I think, the Fortress of Solitude. Oh, right. The training stuff. <laughs> I'll give a call out to Seth in our Slack, who correctly pointed out that for some reason Brainy thinks inflammable means flameproof, where it actually means the opposite. Well caught, Seth. Yes. <laughs> right. Now that's an example of a Brainy joke, which does not make me cringe, um, as opposed to 
the fish out of water things that he should have figured out by now. But English, English uh, oddities, always good for a joke. Absolutely. And I'm actually willing to believe that in a few thousand years, we might just change the definition and move on. <laughs> Maybe there's been a rationalization of the English language at some point in the future. Perhaps multiple times. I'm sure there's <laughs> enough to work on there. While Nia doesn't get a lot of time on the screen, I do quite like how she enjoys throwing around the solar hammer and going after James with it. I thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> yes. Is this where James found out that Nia is Dreamer? I didn't remember if she previously had that information. Uh, I can't remember. I don't know if it matters. Hmm. I mean, it certainly would have made sense for them to tell him at this point with him having his own developing superpowers and stuff. But I just can't remember, you know, anything definite about whether he was in or out of the loop on that. I don't know for sure, but oh well, it's moot. Only one secret identity matters in this, in this show. <laughs> I guess they could have told James uh, if he cared enough about his job at CatCo to, you know, want to be in on the facts of the interview of, you know, American Dreamer uh, from from the previous episode. That would have been a good time to tell him, too. They also didn't quite cover how they got there, but yeah. eh, whatever. <laughs> Brainy flew them with his recovered Legion ring. How's that? I suppose that's a perfectly <laughs> valid answer. And it does gives us this nice time where they all show up basically to fight Lockwood at the end. And Lockwood holds his own relatively well against them. Yeah. And then Martian Manhunter comes in and seals the deal. This fight, I think, was more of a tie. All they really did was delay him so that they could get out. They, for some reason, didn't want to finish the fight, and we didn't see John try and use his mental powers on Lockwood. Yeah. <laughs> it seemed more like a delay tactic. And maybe that was the intent, because really, I don't know what the legal standing is for attacking the Secretary of Alien Affairs. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find out next week. <laughs> Not many episodes left. Not Two to go, many I think. Left. My prediction is that next week we will wrap up Ben Lockwood as a threat. Um, although the president's conspiracy may still go on. And that Red Daughter will be dealt with in the last couple of episodes. But I could be wrong. It could just be a mix all the way through until the final episode when, uh, when all the forces of evil... And intolerance get defeated. <laughs> well, for the most part, this show shows us that they are very happy to take relatively independent plot lines and just constantly edit between them shot after shot after shot after shot. Mm -hmm. So the order of operations for how they deal with Lex's plan with Red Daughter and Kaznia versus Lockwood losing it and who knows how many other people... Lex gave the serum to, and now the government and the president is seems to be on the side of evil. There's a bunch of loose ends. There's only two episodes to pull it all together. I hope they do an okay job. I hope so, too. I have been, you know, even though there's the usual logical quibbles, I thought it was an interesting episode and had some good emotional beats in it. Uh, and they, they tricked me, which... Uh, in a fair way. Um, so, you know, I thought it was a good episode, and I'm definitely looking forward to the last few episodes of the season. 
I can say that I like pretty much everything they did with George. I think all of those were good. Mm -hmm. But everything else felt so compromised because it felt like it was being held together by chewing gum. (laughs) (sighs) The previous episode, I really loved. I thought that was a wonderfully held together well episode. And this episode just feels too fragile in how it's held together. And I was just constantly being distracted by it. And I almost feel that they may be either rushing or they were going too slowly initially on Kelly and Alex to make me feel like this episode was paced particularly well for their relationship also. But we'll see if they actually do get in a relationship in the next Mm -hmm. two episodes. It seems (laughs) likely at this point, but it's impossible to tell. I hope more from the last two episodes and really Supergirl stop lying to Lena. Yes, it's it's going to be so painful when when the truth comes out, as it will. As it better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as it better. We had better see that resolved by the end of this season, or I don't know what. <laughs> it's It's got to. It just has to. I won't go and hunt down shoots of the sh- show filming with billboards saying, why is Lena a dummy? It's tempting, <laughs> but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, thanks again for another interesting discussion of the show, David. Happy to be here. Uh, If any of our listeners would like to continue the conversation with us, please uh, add us at Supergirl, sorry, at SG Supercast on Twitter, or talk to us on the member Slack channel for The Incomparable. And we'd like to thank our editor and... I guess we'll be talking to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome to the Supergirl Supercar. (laughs) Supercar, wow. (laughs) Wrong show. That was Knight Rider. Well, (laughs) no, it's um, it's John Jones' car. Ah, right. Um, (laughs) Oh.